Hi folks, just a quick programming note. In this first episode, there was a brief non-graphic mention of rape. This mention is solely used for context, and can be avoided by skipping past about the two-minute mark if you would prefer. It isn't mentioned again for the rest of this presentation. Thanks for understanding. Hey everybody, this is a little bit of a pilot episode for the Alkindi podcast to gauge exactly how well I can handle the editing process, and whether or not my current setup is acceptable. It probably isn't. Still, I hope you'll enjoy this first look at one of the world's oldest pieces of literature about the man with Sumerian swagger, the Epic of Gilgamesh. So, what is the background of the story? The Epic of Gilgamesh is usually regarded as the earliest great literary work. It takes place in Mesopotamia, which was a region in modern-day Iraq, commonly known as the Cradle of Civilization. Mesopotamia was home to some of the world's greatest ancient cities, such as Babylon, Nineveh, and countless others that are less well-known, but no less impressive. The Sumerians, the people who wrote this story, were old. Like, super old. First records of Gilgamesh date back to about 2100 BC, with the first mentions of his name in poetry. That places us at about 4,120 years since his first mention, even if the actual complete work itself is about 300 years younger than that. We're still talking nearly 4,000 years. The Sphinx and the Great Pyramid of Giza were about, there is some debate, as current to them as the Leaning Tower of Pisa and Sistine Chapel in Italy are to us. We think of those buildings as being old as dirt, but at least they were finished in the last millennium. The fact that stories exist today from this far back is simply astonishing, and that there are lessons to be learned from such stories is a testament to the fact that the humans of those times were really the same sort of people as us. So basically, ancient civilization in Iraq, Gilgamesh is the king of one of its major cities. Let's start. Gilgamesh is the king of Uruk, and generally a bit of a tyrant who abused the rights given to him by his position as king. Yes, this story is still considered to be about a hero, even though Gilgamesh is a complete piece of work. Gilgamesh was an unabashed rapist and murderer. You are not meant to be rooting for this guy at the start. His people cry out in a desperate hope that the gods will see fit to change Gilgamesh as a person to make him more amenable to ruling properly. The gods hear the complaints of the citizens of Uruk and send forth a wild man made from some clay, Enkidu, to meet him and prevent the abuse of the people of Uruk. Enkidu has lived among the animals for some time, but now steps into human society to teach Gilgamesh to lighten up and stop being so murderous. Enkidu arrives to teach Gilgamesh exactly how to stop being such a tyrant. They end up fighting over this, and neither really comes out on top. The fight ends up creating a mutual respect in a weird way that I can only describe as 22nd century BCE romance, and Enkidu and Gilgamesh become good friends. After living in Uruk for some time, Enkidu gets extremely bored. Although he is now acting like a human, he still longs to return to nature, being the wild man that he is. Gilgamesh decides that, to alleviate this cabin fever, they had best go stab something, as people are known to do. A great monstrous ogre, Humbaba, lives in the sacred cedar forests, away from Uruk. Gilgamesh and Enkidu set off on a quest to slay this monster, and chop down some of these sacred cedar trees to bring back to Uruk, which is a huge deal since the gods are supposed to be living in that forest and these guys get angry very easily. One time, one of them flooded the world and nearly killed everyone, because there were too many humans and it was hard for them to sleep with all the noise. Gilgamesh gives Humbaba a right old smack and captures him while he's off guard. Humbaba tries to escape but gets decapitated by, depending on who's translating, either Enkidu or both Gilgamesh and Enkidu. 
Goddess Ishtar is so impressed by this heroism that she falls in love with Gilgamesh and his manliness, since there is nothing quite as attractive as excessive violence. Gilgamesh is not interested in the slightest, and she gets very, very insulted by this rejection. She decides that the best way to take out this anger is to get a massive beast in the shape of a bull, the Bull of Heaven. She calls it down in spectacular fashion, crying out, Father, let me have the Bull of Heaven to kill Gilgamesh and his city. For if you do not grant me the Bull of Heaven, I will pull down the gates of hell itself, crush the doorposts and flatten the door, and I will let the dead leave and let the dead roam the earth, and they shall eat the living. The dead will overwhelm all the living. It's a good thing that Ishtar got what she wanted, since it seems like the alternative was an ancient equivalent of the walking dead. In any case, the beast is soon slain by Enkidu and Gilgamesh. Enkidu ends up grabbing it by the tail while Gilgamesh stabs it in the neck during the chaos. These guys are really good at murdering sacred animals and digging themselves into increasingly larger holes. Humbaba and the Bull of Heaven were both creatures created by the gods. Those cedars they chopped earlier were also holy, so the gods are perhaps understandably upset. Also, Enkidu may have whacked Ishtar with a piece of the bull, typically described as a thigh, which is metal, but also definitely didn't help the situation. The gods decide to kill Enkidu out of rage for this disrespect, and Enkidu gets quite ill. He sees glimpses of the underworld and dies, driving Gilgamesh to mourn to extremes, shown in these lines. But his eyes did not move. He touched his heart, but it beat no longer. He covered his friend's face like a bride, swooping down over him like an eagle, and like a lioness deprived of her cubs, he keeps pacing to and fro. He shears off his curls and heaps them onto the ground, ripping off his finery and casting it away as an abomination. Gilgamesh realizes his own mortality, and gets extremely spooked by the inevitability of death. He wants to become immortal to avoid this. He knows of a relative of his, Utnapishtim, who is immortal, and decides to ask him how to become immortal as well. Gilgamesh goes to meet him, and after some divine intervention and excessive violence against the ferryman to get him there, finally arrives. Utnapishtim says that he was given immortality by the gods after surviving a great flood brought forth by the gods to end humanity. Basically still alive because the gods were like, what even? after he survived a world-ending cataclysm. Remember when I talked about the gods getting mad at people being loud? Yeah, this is referenced in the story as well. Gilgamesh has no chance, unless this one-in-a-million event happens again. Utnapishtim challenges him to stay awake for a week to prove his mettle and intent on getting what he wants. Gilgamesh immediately falls asleep because he's tired from the trip there, sleeping for a straight week. Good job, Gilgamesh. He realizes he's never going to get this whole immortality deal. Gilgamesh is sent off by Utnapishtim, but his relative offers him a consolation prize. A plant that can make him young once more, and it's at the bottom of the ocean. Though this sounds like a flowery way of telling Gilgamesh to just go die, he weighs himself down with rocks to get to the bottom of the ocean, and sure enough, there it is. He decides to take it home and share it with Uruk's elders, not immediately using it. On the way home, Gilgamesh rests in a pool of water in the wilderness, because that's what responsible adults do. He lays down the plant, and a snake picks it up, takes it in its mouth, and sheds its skin, becoming young, in a way, once more. Gilgamesh learns it was true that the plant was powerful, but that he managed to lose the plant because he wanted a bath. He's devastated and goes home with nothing to show for his journey, humbled. Gilgamesh finds a new appreciation for his civilization and his city, Uruk. 
and that he cannot become immortal, but that his destiny is to become a great king. He decides to rule justly and wisely, and begins to appreciate his life as a mortal king. So, what did we learn? Gilgamesh wanted to not fall victim to human trappings, but despite his talents, he still could not escape mortality. Despite not being perfect, absolutely not, the fact that he is able to recognize his failings is what makes Gilgamesh a hero. Overall, the Epic of Gilgamesh is a story about learning to cope with the fact that we are not capable of overcoming every hurdle. As depressing as that sounds, repeatedly throwing ourselves at a problem that is absolutely impossible to solve isn't exactly productive. Learning to cope with our fallibilities and operate in spite of them is extraordinarily important. So that's my little rundown on the Epic of Gilgamesh. For those of you who are interested in the concrete history of Mesopotamia, I may well make a follow-up that goes into details about the Sumerians and Akkadians, two of the major peoples of Mesopotamia. I decided to keep most of the history portion out of here in the interest of telling a story, trying to fit both the history and complete historical context of this period into just one video is a little bit of a tall ask. Hope you enjoyed this little pilot proof of concept thing. I'll have some related reading down below. There will also be a link to one of the many translations of the epic in its entirety. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you around.